Well, hello, everybody, and welcome, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Tell Me Something Good, um, the live streaming podcast we do every week. Just so you know, guys, the live stream, um, even though I know today is Thursday, we'll be moving to Wednesdays permanently uh, because as I start to um, travel a little more, um, I don't want to rely on um, Wi-Fi at the hotels. So instead of Fridays, what's going on, Mo and Kevin? Instead of Fridays, um, oh, ooh, 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 I think my flight just got canceled. Um, anyways, uh, what's going on, Michelle and Drew and Zach? Hey, man, what's going on, Dave and Lee? I'm excited about today's show um, because, of course, today's show, we have my very good friend. Uh, from Little Big Town, Philip Sweet on the show. He'll be joining us in about 15 minutes. Um, what's going on, everybody? So if you have any questions for Philip or uh, Little Big Town uh, or music questions or anything, uh, make sure you get yourself down below. Um, listen, with some of these guests, I know we have regulars that like to hop underneath, but uh, I do want to start clearing room for people who want to ask questions. So... Um, if you're going to hang out down below, especially when you have guests, uh, um, try to have a question for them um, so I can uh, really utilize them and that kind of opportunity for people to be there. Uh, with that being said, if you can see the snow behind me, it snowed again last night. Texas is shut down. I know. I was supposed to be there um, tomorrow and Saturday. Yes, I am living there now. You're friends with John. That's my brother. Yeah. I am here in um, uh, Nashville. You're flying. You got canceled California, Tennessee. Yeah, it, it's been, listen, man, it's been brutal. Um, but I am, um, I'm happy to get back out on the road. Really happy about the special coming out March 4th. Comedianjoshwolf.com for tickets if you want to watch the live stream, which if you're on this, I don't know why you wouldn't want to watch the live stream. And if you liked Father of the Year, you're going to love this special. So check it out. What made me want to be a comedian? Tina, that's a question from the chat. This is a great question. Um, and pretty simply, um, I tried it. Um, Oh, I cannot wait to show Philip that question. Kevin, make sure you ask again when Philip's on. Um, I tried it when I was uh, 15 years old, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, what's going on, Shannon in heaven? And I, I knew right away. I was like, man, I want to do that. So that's it. I, I tried it, and I loved it. That's why when people ask me, I got a lot of people ask me, what, do, what are the tips to becoming? How do I know? Which, how should I become? There's only one way to know if you like it, and that is to get on stage. That's it. That's it. I know a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm funny at the office. Great. I'm not. Guess who's never funny at the office? This guy. I'm not, man. I'm not the crack em up at the office. When I was working at Chelsea lately, I laughed. I didn't. I'll tell you something else. Um, do I remember the first joke I ever told? Uh, yes, I will get to that. Brian says, are your jokes about your real life experiences? Brian, if you listen to my stand-up man, you know that to be true. Yes. So, um, but you know, I'll tell you what, I'm not good. I'm not great in a writer's room. 
um, for a bunch of reasons. One, I work better when I'm moving. My brain works better when there's white noise, like a shower or if I'm in a car. My body, my brain, that combination of me moving. That's why when I walk the dog, I come up with great jokes or I fix jokes or I help stories. But I got to be moving. Hey, man. Uh, you find my son's TikTok? Gang, gang is right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, so I'm funnier. I feel like on stage than I am off. I think part of that is just because I don't try to be real funny off stage. To tell you the truth, music or comedy. I like them both. My, your mama jokes are really good. Am I still writing music? Yes, I am. Ray Ray. Um, I moved the live to today because I thought I was going to be on plane tomorrow, but basically, um, the lot the tell me something goods will be moved to Wednesdays now. Um, stop, stops all the other thought from compensating. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe you're right. Um, will there ever be a Josh Wolf TV series about my life? Well, Kenzie, thank you for asking that. Um, there have been attempts. Uh, if you guys haven't read my book, I have a book out um, called um, "It Takes Balls: uh, Dating Single Moms and Other." confessions from an unprepared single dad. And so people wanted to make a TV shows about me being a single dad. They just never came through. And I'm going to tell you why they never came through my fault. They never came through. If I'm being completely honest, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. Sometimes you're not ready for success. So it either happens quickly or it doesn't happen at all. And so they were asking to have, they wanted me to have a show like Roseanne or Seinfeld or, you know, Home Improvement. But these were standups who had been doing their standup and had a real sense of who they were. You know what I mean? When they gave me that, the deals, I, I was a single dad raising three kids. So they loved the story, but I didn't have the chops to back it up. So I like to blame them in the past, but it was really just a fact. Um, that I wasn't ready for it. Adam Ray wants to know, what's the better term, wiener, penis, or cock? Asking for a friend who's naming his fish. Well, I'll tell you something. Now, this definitely changes the question, the answer, just because it's for fish. Now, in the bedroom, I don't think wiener or penis are acceptable. You can't have a girl be like, Give, let me see that wiener. Or I've had a woman use the word penis. Like, let me see your penis. And I'm like, that's funny. You know what I mean? Were you a doctor? My penis. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems too sanitary. So if you're talking about in the bedroom, cock is 100% the way to go. If you're talking about a fish, I think penis. I mean, if you want to be like, hey, you want to see my penis? Huh? Yeah, I just got him. I got to feed him once a day. Like, I think that's funny. So Adam, I would say cock in the bedroom, penis in the aquarium, and wiener in the cafeteria. There you go. Oh, 100%. I enjoy awkward conversations. If I'm the one making them awkward, like if, I, if I'm like, I'm going to ask a question that's going to make them really uncomfortable. PP is not a question that anybody, not, nobody should, junk is, oh, I'm not okay with junk in the bedroom, let me see that wiener is hilarious, but who's trying to be funny when they're taking their dick out? Do you know what I mean? Like, ah, that's what I'm saying. 
if I was in bed with someone and they were like, you have a great wiener, I'd been like, what the fuck? I would have thought that maybe cooked some hot dogs or something. I have a great wiener. What? Like when I think of a wiener, it's floppy. You know what I mean? Like, let me see that wiener. It's a joke. It's not. Yeah. You, listen, guys, am I still coming to Fort Worth tomorrow? Guys, my, I, I don't know is the honest answer. My flight, uh, got canceled. Um, so I'm hoping to fly in on Saturday and just move the shows from Friday to Saturday. I'll do sh four shows Saturday if I have to, for you motherfuckers. I just want to perform, you know? Um, yeah, the helicopter is something that all men say they do, but only a few can really do. You know what I'm saying? Like all dudes are like, yeah, a helicopter, but do you, is it a helicopter or is it like a, like, just like a, like a, you know, like a, like a, just, you know, like one of those things that stop the door from hitting the wall, you know, that tiny little, you know what I mean? Um, something you'd hear in clown porn. Exactly. I would love to have a family prank show. Thank you, Case. Uh, and by the way, guys, we're starting, if you guys didn't watch the podcast with me and my two sons, <gasps> so much fun. Um, uh, we're going to be doing that every, uh, every week. Um, I think we're going to try to call it my, I don't know. I like calling it my two sons. You know what I mean? But I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Flopping dick cat coming in hard with the flopping dick. Um, I'm freezing. Oh yeah. Which one got you a little weak? Tell me. Uh, I'm, but I'm really excited guys. So Philip will be coming on here in a couple minutes. So let me open up. Um, I'm not going to open up the underneath part until, uh, until he gets in here because I don't want to have to boot any of you guys out. You know what I mean? But if you want, I would love for you guys to start checking out the podcast. When I post them on YouTube, I have a new special up on YouTube, which is not the special that's streaming. If you want to go check out just to get a little taste of what's coming, uh, obviously none of that stuff is going to be on the new special, but it's called, um, the jump cut special. I just took a bunch of stories from a weekend in Denver. So if you want to go check that out also, um, I don't elbows deep five fingers or nothing that, that I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but I don't know that I want it. Can I post your address? Yes, I will do that. Keep your penis in your pants. I got to tell you, there was a guy that we played high school baseball against whose last name was P-E-N-N-I-S. And um, he was pretty, uh, pretty adamant that his name wasn't penis. However, when you're in high school, P-E-N-N-S is 100% penis. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. 100% penis. And so, you know, in high school, if I, I think if I had a last name of P-E-N-N-I-S, I think I would probably homeschool my kid. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you put him in public school, his confidence, he, he's he, one of three things is going to happen. So you're going to roll the dice on this. Um, one, 
he gets called every slang for penis possible, including just penis his whole life. Hey, dickhead, cock, wiener, penis, whatever. Penis, you know, Peter Penis, Peter Penis picks a pipe of pip piping pickle pepper penises, you know, all that stuff. And he basically becomes a basket case. And you have to put him in rehab when he's 18. Two, he learns how to fight. And he does so every day. Three, um, he uh, becomes a comedian. <laughs> because I think those are basically your options. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, oh, this is not a terrible name for the show. Uh, Tina... When am I coming to England? You know, I was there before the shutdown. I would love to come back. So um, I, I would say as soon as they let me uh, fly, I would definitely go. You went to school with someone named Richard Felt. That means Richard Felt III. That means they pass on the name Dick Felt on purpose. They have a good sense of humor. I, I've told you guys this before. But, uh, I, you know, I went to school with someone named Brian O'Brien, who recently passed. Um, what a nice man. But we still uh, ridiculed him. We were like, Brian, oh, Brian. Uh, yeah, Trevor, this is my son. Old man versus the winning swimmers seems a little aggressive. We also went to school with a guy named Neil McNeil. Now, I don't know this for real, but my friend swears that he knew somebody named um, Mary Rottenbush. I don't know if that's true, but I hope it is. I would love to come to England. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank you so much. And guys, I, I still might go live tomorrow. Um, you know, a guy named Dick King. Here's my real question. Dick King is great, by the way. But if, if you, this is crazy. If you have the name Richard and you choose to be called Dick, do you know what I mean? If you, if you, if your name is Richard and you go by anything other than Richie, Rick, Ricky, uh, Rich, Richard, Rick, whatever. But if you go by Dick, you get everything you deserve. Everything you deserve. I just don't know. Now, when I was growing up, we used to go through the phone book. That's right, phone book. And we would look for, you know, certain names, last names, like Wiener and all that shit. And um, we, uh, yeah, this is great, Dick Sweet. And so we found a guy named Seymour Wiener once and we pranked him and we were like, um, and we were like, uh, Hey, is this Seymour Wiener? And he was like, it is. And he was like, just out of curiosity, um, how much more Wiener can you see from there? Fuck you guys. I fucking fuck you. You know what I mean? That was so much fun, but he uh, definitely, oh yeah, that was, it was nonstop, nonstop pranks one of my favorite things also to do was we would call pizza places we would go into a pizza place and find out somebody was working there and their name 
And then we would order pizza from another pizza place to the other pizza place, like, but from James. Like, James didn't like the pizza there, so he ordered it from a different place. <laughs> I mean, we were dumb, man. We were dumb. You know what I mean? Look, there is a – what's going on, Katrina? There is a a football player right now who's a, a tight end whose last name is Butt. So, you know what I mean? Not enough vagina talk. Okay. Well, lead it off, man. You know, I mean, Tim Allen's true last name is Dick. He had a cousin named Richard, so they called him Double Dick. That's pretty great. Um, all right, everybody. So we got my buddy, uh, uh, Philip Sweet, joining us in, in a couple seconds. Let me just text him and tell him we're ready for him. Um, and we'll get going. I'm really excited, man. Philip uh, and Little Big Town are... are Little Big Town is one of my favorite bands, and if you've never seen them, um, if you've never seen them live, their harmonies live. You know when the them and like Zach Brown band, when though when they when your harmonies sound better live than they do on your album, that's crazy. Yeah, Kenzie, that's one of my favorite pranks ever. Um, what's going on, Corey? Uh, everybody's saying hey to Super Dave. That's nice, um, but. Should Pussycat Pussy? I don't think so. Um, anyways, so I am, uh, until Philip gets here, let's get into it. So for those of you who don't know, I have started a 90-day challenge over on my Patreon page. And man, I got to tell you, I'm only Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days in. And I feel so much better. So guys, I had been really depressed and and having a hard time, not depressed about being in Nashville. Like I like being here, but just really down, you know? And some of it honestly is I haven't been without sunlight. I've lived in LA for 20 years. So lack of sunlight may be doing it, but a lot of it was just me, man, and my day to day. And, um, I was doing things every day that were detrimental to me. And, you know, usually on a day to day, you don't do things that leave a dent but you chip away at yourself, you know, kink, 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 kink. And I was just chipping away at myself little by little doing shit that I knew was going to fucking really make me feel bad about myself, you know? And so look, I haven't been doing much, but the big thing, the big thing that I've been doing is keeping on, is writing a list of things that I promised myself I'm going to do that day. And I do. them. And so, because what I had been doing is telling myself, oh, tomorrow you gotta do this, 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 and waking up the next day and not doing them and calling myself a piece of shit in my own head. Like, of course you weren't going to do it. You fucking. And I was just bink setting myself every day to fail. Bink taking a little bit away. Bink. And it's easy to do that. We all do that. And I'm not, uh, I'm not going to anymore. I'm not going to anymore. Um, I'm going to look, you know, Guys, I can tell you right now, March, it had been since last March since I did something creative and physical on the same day. Since I like wrote and worked out. The things that I love to do, the things that, um, what's going on, Chase? Good to see you. Um, it's, uh, so yeah, I've definitely been going out and walking out, but I feel good, man. And I would tell all you guys, if you want to join us on the Patreon, there are a bunch of people who were uh, on the 90 day challenge with us. I posted a incredibly embarrassing 
before picture. Uh, it's just, oh, I can, I, I can see all the softness. Squishy, squishy. I wanted to flip my booby. Um, and so, but if you want to join over there and, and there are a bunch of us doing 90 days, uh, Come on and join us. We're having a good time. All right. Well, I haven't seen Philip, so maybe, maybe not. Uh, oh, he's coming over right now. Um, but, but, uh, so this 90 day challenge has been going so well for me mentally. Again, I'm not doing it honestly to see physical changes. I've already said, guys, like, look, man, I have. I have good genes. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like, you know, I don't got to struggle to keep weight off. My dad is 83 and works out every day and looks fucking great. So I get it. I'm not here being like, woe is me. For me, it's more about how can I be good to myself and feel good about being here every day? That's it. That's it. So you know what I mean? Like for me, it's not about, I don't, I know myself, this is going to sound fucking assholey. I know myself. The physical part is easy. The looking okay. The looking like you're in shape, the, all that stuff. That's easy. That's that part. I know it makes some people mad. That part has always come easy for me. It's the mental part. Um, This is hilarious. Hilarious. And you're right. <laughs> Yo, that is one of the most accurate, straight up fucking funny. You are a thousand percent right. That's hilarious, dude. Good God. That is great. Um, but joining us right now, guys, Philip, I'm going to bring this back up. This dude. Do you see that dude? That <laughs> that dude told me my body looks like a retired Tarzan. Guys, I'm gonna bring on right now one of my very good friends, um, and one of the few people who I feel like creatively we're like creative, simpatico brothers, like very free flowing. Nothing bumps Philip, man, um, and one of the just most genuine. Not only just nice, he doesn't know how funny he is. We're going to have to remind him of that. Uh, but just one of the most creative people that I know. Like, truly my pleasure um, to have him as my friend. And so happy to see him more now that I'm in Nashville. Philip Sweet, everybody. What's up, man? What's up, my man? Hey, I, I, I didn't realize what time it was. I was The snow and all the stuff in Nashville, I was uh, out sledding with her, my daughter. So I, I was like, damn, what time? That's great. And I don't know how to use this fucking camera. That's all right, man. Hey, listen, <laughs> anybody who makes me look like I know what I'm doing with technology, that's who I need on this show. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. Like, Tell uh, me something, dude. Um, I'm so curious. How is, like for me, the being creative while forced to be at home has ch has changed my creativity. Has it changed yours? Yeah, it's different. It's like uh, it's changed, but it's like I, I still 
it, it's been great because I have the time more than I usually have to like spend time with ideas, uh, you know, get inspiration and, and be able to do something right away when I get the inspiration as opposed to like, well, I'll, if I get an idea and I'm working, I, I will have to wait, you know, but yeah, it's great. It's nice to be home, but I, I mean, I love working in the studio. I love doing live shows. I mean, you know, we've talked about this being in front of a live crowd. That's just, there's nothing that can beat that. No, but uh, yeah, it's been nice. Like I've been able to spend more time, like just kind of getting into an idea, which is cool. Have you, um, and by the way, this is a completely different subject, but I'm so super curious because I was watching Jimmy on his toboggan on his stories. <laughs> And I, I asked him, I'm like, does, does your toboggan have an engine? Because his, they just, but it's icy out there, huh? Were you flying down the hills? Well, <laughs> I didn't have quite the nice toboggan. I, I used a boogie board. Full <laughs> 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 redneck and had the boogie board. <laughs> but it was fun. We were just laughing and having such a good time. I'm like, what time is it? Oh my God, I got it. That's all good, man. Listen, dude, um, you know, I will tell you that both Beth and I, I remember asking you specifically, how's the winter in Nashville? And I remember you saying something like, it's not, it's mild. <laughs> yeah, we won't see any weather. Yeah, yeah. And literally, like, it, the last time we had any kind of weather like this was, I think, 2015. And yeah. I, I remember because it was January and I had to drive in this shit going to, we were going to the studio. We were working on a, a project with Pharrell. And so he was in Nashville and I was like, well, you know, you, when is this ever going to happen again? And we went to go create. And so I drove in it and it was fine, but I had, you know, a truck to drive a four wheel drive or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's been like five years, six years. So Since like, oh, yeah, we, we don't get any weather down here, man. Do you still, by the way, because I know I would like, are there still artists that you geek out about working with? Oh yeah. I'll tell you one recently. Um, we got to do a project with Barry Gibb. I saw that. Yeah. And I hang on, I'll get the album. Stay. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, by the way, guys, when, so when you're at, you know, and I've had the pleasure of going over to Phillips house in his studio. It's just awesome. But let me see. Okay, this is shameless plug. It's called Greenfields. Greenfields. The Gibb Brothers Songbook. I can't get it right. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, we're on here and uh, there's like Brandy Carlisle and Dolly Parton and Allison Krauss. And, and that's the vinyl. Keith Urban and a bunch of cool... J.B. Cannon from Rival Sons. It's a cool record. And By uh, the way, dude. It's, it's a beautiful project. So I got to work with Barry Gibb. That is awesome. And, and on a side note, I fucking love Rival Sons. Yeah, man. They're smoke. Yeah, that's some rock. For those people who are like, there's no more rock and roll. Uh, Just throw some J.B. Cannon at you, man. That he, dude is. Yeah. So, and, and and what was it like, man? Like, so when there are guys like that, like legends, because I'm always so curious, like legends have to know they're legends, right? I think so. And I think there's something very unique about the the like upper level legends like Barry Gibb and Dolly Parton and people that that when you meet them they make you feel so welcome and warm um they are so confident in themselves but that yet they're so 
humble. Like Barry was so humble. And, you know, he, we got to, um, we, we did a, a Grammy uh, for the Grammy awards every year. They honor an artist like the night before at this, uh, at the theater there. I think it's a Nokia theater, but in all these different artists perform BG songs. And that's what we did. So we did how deep is your love. And then we uh, went up to him after the show and he said, uh, we did a Zoom call the other day because the record went number one, by the way, which was awesome. Great. And he was so thankful. But um, he said, we were the only artists that came back to talk to him after sh the show in the dressing room. And that just blew my mind. Like, what the hell? What? Really? You know, like, who wouldn't go up and say hi to Barry Gibb? But he was just so honored by that. And so when he was starting to do this project and Dave Cobb produced it, and it's just beautiful, the whole project from top to bottom. But he said we were the first artists he wanted to call to do the project. So we got together in Studio A, you know, famous Studio A here in Nashville. And it was just beautiful. We got to stand, you know, across from him singing. We're all singing to each other. And it was just magic. So I, you know, I was like heart fluttering the whole time. And then Dave Cobb, he's like, man, you and Barry look like long lost brothers. Yeah. <laughs> And then he totally, he totally sold me out in front of Barry. He was like, yeah, apparently, Dave, Dave said, you know, Philip, apparently, you know, rumor around town is you're like the young Willie Nelson of Nashville. So I'll take those honors. By yeah. the way, Thank you. that is a great honor to be have bestowed upon <laughs> you. Do, do you know, man, like I've been lucky enough to meet a few legends, too. And I agree with you. It's like they've they've gone past the part of being douchebags. Yeah. They all and they're just, yeah, they're just great. Like two that I can think of off the top of my head, Paul McCartney. Oh man. Who was the nicest dude. He introduced himself first and last name. I was like, yeah, got it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you went Paul and McCartney. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. But it just seemed, and and the other guy um, was Elton John, and I met him at Chelsea. He came on, Grohl hosted, guest hosted an entire week. That's so cool, man. Oh, dude. And you've met Grohl. He's such a gracious. I love Grohl. We've had, we've had lots of crown together. Yeah. Gracious, uh, nice dude. You, you know, um, he would come into the office with like a little drum set or his guitar and be like, what song do you guys want to hear? And we'd be like, what? Yeah. And he like, would just play for us. See, he's, pa he's past the point of douche-ness. I, I think so. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think there are a couple guys, like he'll be one of those dudes. I don't, I've never met Springsteen, but I can't imagine he's got anything left to be a douchebag about either. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I couldn't imagine. I've never met him either. I have a, I do have a funny story about Paul McCartney because um, Jimmy, the other uh, band member, male band member in Little Big Town with me. By the way, somebody in the chat earlier asked me, is Jimmy Westbrook chiseled out of stone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, you, you don't even have to wear like makeup on camera because his skin is like golden. <laughs> he's like, he's, I think he is a Greek god or something. Yeah. He's like a, it's hilarious because he, he doesn't have to work that hard to look that way either, which is very frustrating. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was, uh, so to, to that lends to the story as well. So Jimmy, we're all staying at the, in LA at the hotel at, 
and I'll, it's the four seasons there, you know, right near sunset and all that. And so he goes into the gym to work out to sculpt his Greek God physique. And, uh, lo and behold, Paul McCartney's like a few, you know, on the treadmill, a few rows down. And so Jimmy McCartney goes to the hotel gym. Yeah. Trucking away, man. Paul McCartney. And uh, so Jimmy, he, he worked up the courage to go say hello to him. And because we had been listening to some old Beatles stuff, like in there's some tracks you can get separated where you just hear their vocals. And so we yeah. were kind of dissecting their harmonies, listening to uh, to work on our new record. And so Jimmy went over to kind of say hello and kind of tell him that and that we were, big, we were all big fans. And and um, he had his son with him. Jimmy had his son with him, Elijah. And. But they were over there talking and you know, Paul was super nice. Like you said, everything is just like you could, it couldn't be any better. And uh, so as he tells him the story about the music and, you know, we're in a band and he's like, oh, well, tell me the name of the band. And Jimmy said, Little Big Town. And he was like, oh, Little Big Sound. <laughs> and Jimmy didn't have, he didn't want to correct him. Right? No. So Paul never heard our music because he looked up, he probably Googled Little Big Sound. and. <laughs> I don't even know if that band exists. Probably not. Philip, I've told you this, man. You know, when I put your name, if I put somebody's name in my phone and I get it wrong, I never go back and correct it. <laughs> it's just, it's just in there. So <laughs> on my phone, in my phone, you're in there as Philip from Little Bighorn. <laughs> I just never correct it because I always think I'm like that's so stupid. <laughs> We've but, been for Bighorn at a NASCAR race. Really? Yeah. Well, because Angie Jason Seahorn was the like. What do you call it when the the? the I'm sure they dropped the flag. Yeah. 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 Like, so, in the they have a, a team meeting and before the races and all the drivers are in there, and we kind of had become a little bit friends with Tony Stewart at the time. Uh huh. And, uh, so they get up to announce, <laughs> this is another funny story. Jimmy likes to tell this one, but, uh, they, you know, they announce all who's doing everything at the race and they end up performing our national anthem, uh, little Bighorn, And I, I'm the only one who like stands up and the other three stay seated. And they're like, <clears throat> and Tony Stewart's over there. He's like, yeah, <clears throat> <laughs> 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 yeah, the other three were like, "That's not us, man." That's Just so you know, a little bit. Stood <laughs> up anyway, and uh, um, laughed at me. It was a good laugh. Hey, I want to read this from Amber. I like reading uh, things from people that that are meaningful to them. She says, "Pontoon is very near and dear to me. One of my favorite people in my life used to perform it with me. He passed away, and now perform it with with his mother." Hashtag memories. When you hear things like that about your music and your art. Like when I hear people talk about, hey, your joke kind of got me through. I'm like, really? Do you know what I mean? But it, it hits such a sweet spot for me. D does that, do you ever get tired of hearing stuff like that? Oh my God, never. That's actually the most sweet part of it is that you have no idea where your music's going to go or who it reaches, who it touches until you hear that, like that sweet message from Amber. And that's something that they have as a memory for them. It's become their song, their, their anthem, their thing to enjoy and make memories with together so it just it just blows my mind actually yeah. just it humbles me in a way because i you just never know well 
beautiful. Philip, music touches people in a way that comedy or other arts just don't. Do you know what I mean? And so because music will bring you back to an emotion or to a time. And like when I listen to August and everything after, I, do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm especially that album. I'm that in that time period. Yeah. I'm, you're transported to that, that area and that time in your life. A hundred percent. Like that. We're like, I, I used to really get into Nick Drake when I was in college. And so I can always listen to pink moon from Nick Drake. And it just puts me back in that place. And I don't know. I, music has a way of transporting you and if nothing else, just help you move through something difficult or yeah. happy or, you know, have you ever across the street was just like listening to sad music she was having an emotional day and she was like, you know, this, I just needed to listen to some sad music to get me through it. And you know, music's a healer, man. It's cool. And laughter. We always talk yeah. about music and laughter are the best medicine. And that's why I love working with you, buddy. Yeah, you and I, for those of you who don't know, Philip and I have been doing a show once a month at Zany's where we're combining comedy and music. It's a ton of fun, and Philip is really funny. Um, but, dude, have you ever written a song and, or music and the process of the writing have it turned out to be kind of cathartic and therapeutic? Like, have you ever finished a piece of art and been like, yeah, I feel better. I actually feel better right now. Absolutely. Um, we were there's a song on the latest record nightfall that we did called problem child. And it was one of those where it just, it took us through the, the emotional roller coaster just because it, I don't know, it just was beautiful. And we were all just so in tune with that message. And then uh, after that, we were all needed a little break, you know, like an emotional, like, ah, oh, we need some relief. And, and that's when I said, oh, man, maybe we should start drinking. We got some wine. We got some beer. We got some whiskey. And then. Topher, Are you serious? Then Topher, the other co-writer, Topher Brown, he was like, the wine, the beer, the whiskey. And then we wrote that song in like an hour. So That we, is crazy, dude. Because that song, that song's massive. It's it's doing really good, so I'm really thankful people are loving it because it just came out. It was natural. It felt good, and I think people really resonate with stuff that it's not too thought about. It's just like, hey, this is just this is what came out, and we had fun. Yeah, and you feel that on the track and uh, on the juxtaposition of that, the problem child is really emotional with strings, and it's beautiful, and it it'll take you on this deep kind of uh, connection with you know compassion. Yeah. You know, and, and at the same time, I write dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, should I say nuts or sack? Which is funnier? <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite line in uh, the big old titties of my friend Dan. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know it's probably don't ask, don't tell, but I wonder if he ever titty fucks himself. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, dude? You know That's what my you know what my favorite type of art is. Okay, so I was a huge Nirvana and Cobain guy. Oh yeah, you know, and I grew. I lived in Seattle when he killed himself. I was there. Dang, I couldn't get to my house, dude, because they had blocked off my street. And so, because I lived like a quarter mile down the street from him, so, um, I uh. 
but I loved the music and the way it made me feel. Like the music just I re man, there aren't too many songs that you that I remember where I was when I heard it. Yeah. It smells like Teen Spirit was a song that I remember how yeah. it made me feel. I remember where I was. I remember my buddy brought me in and he was he brought me in a cafeteria and he goes, Hey, I go, what? He goes, We gotta listen to a CD in my car. And I was like, What? And I yeah, just remember thinking do that. Go listen to CDs in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will tell you, man, Nirvana, as much as I especially at the time period, I was like, This is my guy. I need lyrics that I can understand. I don't want you to leave it up to my interpretation of what that might mean. I like to listen to lyrics and go on the journey with you. They can mean so I think things that are simple sometimes get categorized into stupid, but simple can still be meaningful and take you on a journey and be mm -hmm. thoughtful. But so I like lyrically and same with my stand up. I don't need Dennis Miller. I don't want to fucking take a thesaurus out <laughs> when I'm listening to a song. Do you know what I mean? I had to Google, you know, I, I honestly, I remember having to ask a friend what a mulatto was when I listened to him. I'm like, what is he singing about? Like, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not turning on my music to learn. But isn't I want to see. Isn't he saying hello, 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 hello? Yes, but I think he goes. Oh, uh, I forget it. Something about it. It doesn't matter because it's so hypnotic. Yes. I, um, this is gonna. It's all coming full circle. My thirteen-year-old daughter. That's like her favorite jam to go to school song. Smells so, like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Can you believe that? She loves it. And I'm that's like, crazy. I like this song, huh? She was like, oh yeah, and she's like. Jamming. Were you a Nirvana, a Pearl Jam, a Soundgarden, an Alice in Chains? Where Where are you? Like, I dug some Alice in Chains, and I really, I did like Nirvana, and I liked, I like all those bands. Soundgarden was pretty cool. Yeah, and, Chris Cornell's voice to me was yeah, like, his voice. That's what got me. It was like, damn. And I'd like Pearl Jam too. They were just, they were kind of like the gruffier version. You know, yeah, man. But like, I remember when they did te that Temple of the Dog album, where mm -hmm. and because I remember thinking how good Eddie Vedder's voice was until he sang on the same song track as Chris Cornell. And I was like, no, don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't sing next to him. He's he's pretty good. That guy's pretty good, you know. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. Do you have Black Hole Sun, man? That's one oh. of the coolest sounding songs. Ever. Blow up the outside world to me might be my personal favorite Soundgarden song, but his lyrics were so dark, dude. Yeah, he he definitely had some shit that he wanted to get out there. Yeah, you had to have some sunshine in your life to listen to those lyrics and make it through, and not <laughs> wear the baggage of his. Yeah, yeah. Know? Now, so your daughter, man, she uh, listens to Nirvana on the way to school. Do you find that more kids her age are listening to some of the older music? Yeah. The 90s are making a strong comeback for those that age group. And even the way she's dressing, it's like the baggy jeans. And the, I'm like, no, man, this, this style sucked in the 90s. Let's not go back there. No, I hated my baggy jeans, man. Uh, I hated my baggy jeans. And now, you know, so if I wear tight pants, it's just not in style anymore. I got to get me some baggy jeans again. Wait, are tight pants not in style anymore? I don't know. They, who knows? I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure that out, but 
Apparently, she her style is full on '90s grunge. That's the skate. It's like the skater look. It's all coming back, and all the music. I think they're loving that '90s kind of angst. That's really. I think that's where it's coming from. It's like the world's fucked up, and we don't know what to do about it. So we're just gonna play nearby. Yeah, that's what we did too, man. I don't blame them at all. No, I don't blame them at all. Did you like? Did you ever tinker around in music that wasn't country? Always, yeah. I mean, I, I I played all kinds of stuff. I had a buddy. We'd come. He, I mean, I, I don't consider Leonard Skinner to be country. Me neither. So we would play Leonard Skinner. I mean, I love R and B. So Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder are like two of my biggest heroes. And and then Michael McDonald, Blue Eyed Soul. But then I love rock. But you also- don't know me. Sorry. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was pretty smart. <laughs> you had your smoky. That was awesome, dude. I got. I did that on the Jimmy Fallon show. Uh, we played a game, and then so they were saying. He said, "I hear you have a great Michael McDonald impression," and I started singing, and the brute started playing with me, taking it to the streets. It was fun. That but, is fun, dude. But yeah, and, and also classical music. I, you know, I went to college on a vocal scholarship and had to do art music and classical studies. And so I'm pretty well versed in a lot of genres and growing up in the kind of the, you know, Arkansas foothills and Ozarks mountain music. So yeah. bluegrass country, mountain music, all that stuff. I, I kind of got a dose of it all. So it's all mixed in there, but I, I'm, you know, soul music is probably my favorite. Anita Baker. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. You know hey, dude. With all my heart, I want you, baby. Right here. Yeah, dude. It's so good, man. So yeah, hey, you know, I love all that shit. Listen, dude. Let me ask you. Um, when you like, uh, when you did that track with Pharrell, you know, one of the things that I love the most, by the way, about that track with Pharrell is I love artists going outside their comfort zone. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you have to, you, 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 you're growing and changing as a person. So naturally your art grows and changes with that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Did you like, for me, it's like telling a new joke. Was there a different energy going into the studio because you were like, Oh, this is fucking new. It was awesome because we had not done it that way before. We were kind of writing the song and then we were making it up on the in the moment and then like recording it. So there was not a lot of time to like, oh, I'm going to take this home for two weeks and digest it and then come up with a melody. It was like, no, you know, we went out to the courtyard of the studio and started writing the lyrics down before we went back in and the, while the band was tracking the song. So we didn't have we were tracking the song and didn't have the lyrics finished yet. No. Is that, how does it usually go? Well, I mean, usually we'll write and then we'll finish something and then bring it into the studio, you know, a couple of weeks later or maybe that week, but not in the moment writing for a song that was just still being formed. We were, it was like furious writing. We were writing, yeah. you know, he was like, oh, words, 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 you know, like they're not that important. But for us, we like, we love the lyric process. Yeah. Not that he doesn't think words are important, but it's all grooves and. Vibes. Well, you, your lyrics are 
obviously important to you guys. Like you obviously take time and effort into telling your story. You know what I mean? But dude, but one of the things that I love the most is that you, you, you hop and skip so easily. Like you, you can play Anita Baker in the green room and then we hop on stage and just do the dumbest shit in the world. I, have you always been free flow like that with your, with your art? Well, I think what helped me the most is that when I was younger, uh, my mom had a little country music variety show and like a little theater in the Ozarks of Arkansas. So, you know, there would be people every Saturday night jump up on stage and they're like, can you play this whatever song in the key of E? And, I'm like, and you'd have to just kind of figure it out. And so for me, you know, I just I, it helped me kind of understand the musical scale a little better. And so if you tell me what key you want to play it in, I can probably understand the fourth and the fifth of that tonic of that chord. And I can kind of come with come with it pretty quick. That's it's so crazy. We do that. Like if I said if if I gave you a song and just been like, hey, can you play that in A, U or E, you would know how to. I Usually if I can just listen to it one time, I can pretty much remember it like a yeah. memory sort of thing. And then, you know, also learning to play multiple instruments. I started out playing piano first, then I learned guitar, and then my uncle taught me how to play drums. And then, you know, and then bass is pretty much the top four strings of the guitar. So those frets schematics are... What's easier, guitar or piano to learn? Uh, I think piano just because your, your hands are like this and they're easier to move. Yeah. Guitar, you have to kind of get a grip uh, style down and you... Um, it's a little more physically ta- challenging. A grip and, style? What? A grip style? I got a grip. <laughs> Am I supposed to have one of those, dude? You never told me I was supposed to have a grip. Everyone's got one grip style, Josh. But like he- <laughs> I don't have a grip style. You, you see a guy like Sting, and his hands are like huge, and he's like playing these big bar chords, you know? Yeah. I can't show you my hand. My hand looks so huge in this frame. Yeah, it does. But he can he can like go up and down the fret and play all these weird strings. But, who you know, who would you say that most of us don't know are isn't is like a top-notch musician? Because most of us just know the front people, right? But you know, like who if you were like that dude can play guitar, and most of us would be like, Who's that? Who who do you feel like is one of those guys? I'll tell you. I saw somebody in concert, Sturgill's old guitar player. Yeah. I forget. I think his name was John something or Joe or. I don't know his name. But Um, he was, but is there a guy that you can think of that, or a woman that is just like, nobody knows, but you should. Oh man. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Charlie Worsham. I haven't. All right. So he's great artist, you know, he, he does these shows around here locally in Nashville that has a bunch of different artists come and join him. Um, but he's such a great player. He's got great charisma on stage. And uh, he's just one of those guys. He's such a talented player. And check out Charlie Warsham. He's a great. Charlie Warsham. And uh, also, you know, John Osborne from Brothers Osborne might be. Really? One of the best guitar players I've heard in a long time. You know, he's what? like Mike Campbell good. What makes this is going to sound like a stupid question? And by the way, guys, get your. Do you mind taking some questions from the chat, Philip? Absolutely. I know, so get your questions ready for Philip. But I know this is going to sound like a stupid question, but like, 
that Joe, that guy, Joe Mama Rosa or Bama Ro- or Bama Rosa. So to me, Better? yes, I listened to him and I'm like, technically this dude is flawless, but I don't feel his music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there has to be, isn't that part of the playing is that you have like, there's so, there's a little oomph, a little drip to it. Do you know what I mean? You got to put your soul in there and just, you know, be not scared to fuck it up. You, you know, know you and I talked yeah. about this with stand up, dude. And you were yeah. like nervous about it not being so funny. And I kept telling you the perfection is in the imperfection, which is why I like doing our, all my stuff live. Cause we didn't rehearse anything. And it was just like, I, I spent the most time just laughing at myself. Like, yeah. Oh my did i say right then but uh oh so sean hernandez what's your favorite song what's your favorite song to play do you have one that you're like i'm looking um i can tell you for me sean my favorite joke to play is always the one that's the newest interesting so that's my always my favorite joke just what about you i do like the new music um that's always refreshing i guess for me because we haven't been able to tour that much since uh covid and all that but there was a song called River of Stars on the new record Nightfall that I loved playing. It just I loved the sonics. I loved the the lopy drum groove and it was I got to play piano on it and just it's had pretty harmonies and it sounds celestial. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Okay. And uh, um Laura wants to know what part of a song ooh speaks to you the most when you're playing. I don't Do you mean like like a solo kind of thing like or what does speak to you when you're playing? Uh, if, uh, if we're talking about me performing one? Yes. Okay. I think when you feel the dynamics of the song, at the moment, you know, you go through a whole song and feel the dynamic. And then when it comes to this breakdown moment, that's where you really can emote the most emotion. Yeah. And you feel it there. And then because you've been taking, on this journey in a song and then once it gets the dynamics gets and it drops back down and you can really speak and then it goes back up and the song will close and finish but to me that moment is always my favorite moment in a, in a song just because you everyone's like almost stops and listens more yeah you know i had never seen the stones fill up up until a few years ago and um so what are the two it's Keith Richards and the other guy's name is Ron Wood. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And so my brother was like, so you've never seen Keith live. And I go, no. And he was like, wait, I go, why? And he goes, Oh, he talks to you with a guitar. Yeah. It's almost like he's spitting out lyrics on his guitar. He's not like a class. He's like, you're not going to see like a crazy lead guitar riff. That's not what Keith's going to give you, but he's going to speak to you with his guitar. And yeah. it's, almost I had, it's almost, yes. I mean, yeah, but it but it was such a great description because he did when he walked out front. It wasn't this. It was him telling like, you how. Wow. Yeah. Like fuck you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, Philip. This question comes from somebody I don't know if you know. She wants to know how cool are your wives? <laughs> Heard great things about them. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know who asked that question. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, my wife's pretty cool too, man. She's uh, 
pretty fun. We we have a good time together, and she sits around here and lets me be run around like a creative madman, and and uh, doesn't laugh at me too much. Me too. Same with Beth. Beth, listen, Beth just shot a video of me with my fur coat and underwear out in the snow. So she's basically she knows what the deal is. Um, well, you're just getting material stocked up, you know. Exactly, the, dude. The new season. Are there any songs? And somebody, and I'm going to ask Kevin's question: Is are there any songs? Okay, let me rephrase this. Can you think of one song where you're like, "Man, I wish we had fucking written that one." Do you know what I mean? You're like, "Man, I wish we we could play that one." Like, can you think of one that jumps out at you? You're like, "Oh, I wish we had done that one." That you would just love to play every night live. I mean, if it doesn't sound cheesy, I would love. I would have loved to have written wildflowers yeah why does that sound cheesy i love that song yeah i mean it just makes you feel good and oh it seems so simple too like you you belong among the wildflowers and it's like just loping along just nice guitar chords and it just puts you it just puts me at ease like yeah song just forever will be one of the best ever yeah man I, i love lyrics like that too man you know you and i are very similar like that we're very we're flowy guys you know what i mean we're very flowy we're very flowy you're flowy Um, jufro well my jufro i cut it by the way oh nice yeah i I, i'll show you what it looks like underneath after it's pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) i mean it is i i you you've seen my hair without the hat yeah it's not great Uh, yeah i mean and it's i'm not gonna lie it's something by the way for those of you who don't know uh beth and i and caroline Bryan pranked philip and his wife becky the a couple weeks back and i'm just curious if you're planning on getting us back i'm not i'm not good at that stuff sorry my dog keeps barking that's all right becky said 100 planning on that so she's gonna fill me in on what it is here's here's a i'm you know I cannot tell a lie very well. So uh, I have to either not know about it and just be told at the last minute. Yeah. So that I don't give it away. Uh, so you were carrying me to the hospital, man. I, you know, I looking <laughs> for a good friend. Uh, <laughs> we, we also lied about that. <laughs> hey, by the way, I can see you all underneath and Katrina and Dylan and Kat. And I think that's Dave. If any of you guys have a picture for uh, a picture, uh, a question for Philip, wave at me. Um, okay, hold on one second. Watch this. Li- we're going live with other people. Hey man. Hey man. What's going on, Dylan? What do you got, How's man? What do you got for a question for Philip? Um, when you were working with Lionel Richie, uh, is there any other song on that album that you would have wanted to play other than uh, "Deeper River Woman"? Well, you wait. You Lionel Richie, by the way, to me. Yeah top four songwriters of all time oh my god and he was so charismatic in the room like deep river woman was really cool as it had those really airy harmonies but like easy like sunday morning god man <laughs> uh, yeah that would have been so yeah. fun to do that one too but he was just it, it was one of those other moments where you know we're in the vocal booth and we had a little window right beside us and we could look and we could see him with his headphones and singing and hear that voice. Oh, man. I was like <laughs> in a dream. 
His voice is so easy. His voice is just like butter. And, and I, I hear that he starts his show like if you how badass are you if you can walk out and start your show with easy like Sunday morning. Yo, that means like I, mm. I, I got a lot of confidence in the other songs coming yeah. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, let's just that's crazy. Do it. Start up this starts down. And people are like, oh, they're in right from the top, man. We should we should start our show with easy, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll sound fun. Uh Dylan, you doing all right today, man? Yeah, man. All right, dude. I appreciate the question. Any other questions? Thanks, Dylan. Um, no, you kind of asked two of my other ones, but it's all okay. right, buddy. Good talking. I see some instruments in the background, Dylan. Well, oh yeah, you? yeah. I got some guitars and a keyboard. What do you play? You play them all? Um, yeah, I mostly play bass right there. Oh yeah, is that a Fender? Yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a flea bass. Yeah, baby. That's there you cool. go. You guys, I mean, that's Philip has so many guitars. I'm like, do they sound different? He's like, yeah, everyone. I'm like, do they? <laughs> I mean, but when he picks them up, it's so funny though. And thanks, Dylan. It's so funny. I say this every time when you pick up my guitar, Philip. I'm like, how come my guitar doesn't sound like that when I'm playing it? Like, I know you play a G. I'm like, is that a G? I don't. Uh, Did you, sound... you have an extra finger? Yeah. I know. <laughs> By the way, it's not the first time I've said that. Hey, um, anybody else underneath? If you have a question for Philip, please raise your hands. And if not, we'll just go ahead and keep going. All right, perfect. Yeah, oh, Dave, oh, here we go. This is my buddy Dave. Hi, nice hat, Dave. Thanks. I, you know, I, I've been putting your uh, your fat picture on my vision board of what I'd yeah. like to look like after ninety days. So, are we wearing the same hoodie? What's happening right now? No. Okay. That'd be weird. <laughs> this has green strings. In your- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. All right, Dave. Hit me. What's your question? Yeah. All right, so um, my wife's a big fan, so that's why I had to jump on here and ask a question. Uh, but my question for you is, if you were to write the jingle of any show or Ooh. product or company, what would what product or show would you like to have the jingle for? Oh, Philip, what a great question! Because man, that's a that's a tough one. A jingle, huh? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I if the jingle can be funny, man. I would I would love to write a funny jingle for Lunchables with you. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we could get some pretty funny jokes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You pull uh, out and you pull out the sauce, and then you put some pepperoni on the top. Yeah. Lunchables. Lunchables. Do you want high blood pressure when you're an adult? Lunchables. Isn't that how it goes? You can feed your kids when you don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Food and that's just fun. I love it, dude. We already got the, we already got our Lunchables jingle down. There you go, Dave. You feeling good about it? Do I get rights to that? I mean, I, I think I was part of the creative process. Hold on one second. Yeah, yeah. there's your answer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can I, see I, he's, I, he's got his middle finger sticking up at me. Um, uh, by the way, anybody else? Oh, Kat, you got a question? Here yeah. we go. Hit hey, me Phil, how are you doing, buddy? Hi. 
Um, I've seen you on stage quite a few times, but I've never got to personally talk to you. I just, I wondered who is your favorite other group to play with? Ooh. Interesting. And have you checked out Parker McCollum? Do you know know that kid? That kid is amazing. Lots of good things about him. I am. I've uh, been working in the studio, so I haven't been listening to so much new music right as of yet. But Carper, Carper, Parker, Parker, <laughs> Parker, Parker, yeah, came out. Thank you. Um, favorite other group to sing with? Oh man, you know who I really like? I like Snow Patrol. Yeah. Wow. And Gary Light, and that just their songs and just their energy. Just always, they're so. It's beautiful. So yeah, that's yeah. man. Y'all's energy on stage is amazing too, man. For real. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're this, very welcome. It's a great slogan for our lunchables, fellow. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> to feed your kids when you don't give. A- <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Philip, and I've told you this before. And, and Kat, love you. Thank you for love you too, bud. Love you. Hope to see you on the road soon. Um, we might see Cat in Denver when we go. Um. I've told you this before, dude, your harmonies live. The fact that they may sound better live, even when you, than the studio, like you guys are so dialed in your voices really become one voice. Like, and they fit so well together. Like, you know, you mentioned Lennon and McCartney earlier, those voices just laid on top of each other. So, and they were different enough to sound so good together. I think that's the reason is, is that they all sound so different. Like if you soloed each voice, like Karen's voice, smoky, you know, alto, beautiful, like Karen Carpenter kind of vibe, but cool, you know, smoky voice. Jimmy's got that beautiful strident, you know, rock and roll tenor. Kimberly's like that pure soprano. And then I've got this, you know, I sound like a foghorn. Sometimes, uh, uh, but if you, you don't like, know me, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it gets you now. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do a parody. Oh, 100%. We'll both go out dressed as Michael McDonald. <laughs> I've already got the white beard going. We'll get it. Uh, well, I'll get mine. Uh, but uh, yeah, one day. Uh, but I think that's really what it is. It's like the, the chemistry between the different sounds of our voices. They have this. We always said that it has like a fifth overtone on top of it. Five. Yeah. But uh, it's got a thing to it. And, you know, none of us are perfect in any way singing, but it's got each of us has a unique quality. And I think when we sing together and we rehearse a lot, I mean, we we make sure we're, you know, we're getting our stuff so then when we're performing we don't have to think about the technical part we can really just pour our energy into the emotion of what we're doing and then the yeah. performance kind of like comes off and then we can just and you know when you're performing in front of a crowd your energy is heightened you know even more so so you feel that and you pour that back in to what you're doing and that that's i think that's where the magic is can you hit notes live that you can't hit in the studio? Sometimes, yeah. Just because your adrenaline's so much higher. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That makes but, sense but, to me. There's some notes that I should, you shouldn't, I shouldn't try to hit. You know, like. Yeah. Like, I'm no Barry Gibb, but I can get it. 
<laughs> How a man, you know, the one thing also that for me watching musicians and I love watching other performers and, and like equating them to stand up and, and how, what's similar and what's different and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I always feel like when I mess up a joke, people know, but they always tell me, well, we didn't know. How often do you think during a, you guys play for two hours? Yeah. How often during a two hour show do you think that one of you makes a mistake? Oh, there's mistakes all over the place. We get words. I mean, it happens all the time because when you're performing, you're micro analyzing yourself in the moment because you're, you know, you made a mistake because you've rehearsed it so many times that to you it's a mistake, but they'll, people will come and be like, I didn't hear any, even yeah. on our team, people that are, work with us all the time every day they're like i didn't hear what you're talking about and thought it sounded great and so you kind of have to just let it go and be like well damn i'm just really picking myself apart up there i gotta be i'd be nicer to myself <laughs> but that's part of the deal like yeah. there are times and i'm sure you do this too there are times when i'm on stage performing telling a joke but i'm having a completely di different dialogue in my brain like oh, yeah. Okay, so flight tomorrow morning is at 6 a.m., so I got to get up at 5, but I'm telling a joke. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever do that on stage? Oh, absolutely. A lot of it's like watching the crowd, too. So, you know, we'll come off stage and Jimmy would be like, did you see that dude? Did you see that guy taunting me in the third row? And I'm like, what? There was a guy taunting you? I did not notice that. Out of the 40,000 people, I'm sorry I didn't see the one guy. And but that, that's all that stands out. It's like, oh, man, you know, or... You sometimes it's just weird, just weird stuff that will catch your attention. And you, yeah. you're like in the, you're singing and performing, but it's like, you're thinking, oh my God, this is so strange. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. It's hard to explain yeah. to people. This is an interesting question, Mary. but I would love to know your answer. I can tell you for me as a comic, I've done some pretty big, I, I cable guy, yeah. we did 53,000 people and I've done a bunch of theaters and everything in between. For me, comedy is better in a place like Zany's. Up close, personal, crowd works better. You can see the tiny little facial expressions that help with, for me, that help with stand-up. And you're watching me. You're not watching a giant screen instead of me. Right. So I like the smaller place for me. I do like the smaller venues. It's a different thing with music because when you're in a smaller situation, it's more relaxed. It's more intimate, more chill. There's no like, and one, two, you know, it's like you just kind of pick up and go. It's a little more loose, you know? Yeah. With, with the big show, it, it's a little more, I think the more intimate shows are more challenging and also in a good way, it makes you grow more as a musician and artist because you really have to, like, you can't hide anywhere. And, and then a big arena show, you have the big energy, the big production you have. And it's like dialed in. Every step is, you know, you know where you're going for this lighting cue uh, on this song and this moment and that verse. You go here. And so you got this kind of built in. It's not a crutch, but it's just it's programmed. Yeah. So yeah. The program is the same. And it gives you this the ease and confidence just to go out there and enjoy the big crowd. And it's, uh, you know. Also, you know, in those bigger places, so in the, in a smaller place, all eyes are on you all of the time. Right. They are laser focused on you. 
Exactly. The bigger the place gets, the more this happens, the more you talk to your friends, the more maybe you look around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking pictures. And even if you are looking at the people on stage, unless you're right there, you can't really see what the fuck they're doing, you know, personally. So maybe you're right. Oddly enough, more eyeballs on you, but it's easier to hide. It feels like more pressure in a smaller crowd because you know it's they are watching. Yeah, there's nothing to hide behind. Not that you're hiding behind production, but when you have no production, it's just you and your instrument. It's just it's so it's beautiful in its own way, but it's really like it makes me. I have to really, you know, go for it. Well, listen, man. When we do zanies. I have to tell you how how many compliments I get about you all of the time. Like the the people are saying he's like, "Hey, that Philip Sweet is a fucking badass." Like they love you That's because dude, to, yeah, we, we have so much fun. But but what you're doing is you're you're jumping genres seamlessly with no rehearsal in front of a live crowd for a half an hour and just being like, "Fuck it, let's see what happens." I, I, I have so much respect for that dude. Thank you. I like that raw. We've talked about this. I like that raw kind of. Okay, see how it goes. You know, like what what's there to be afraid of? Even though you're scared to death, I you know before we go on stage, I would I would always be like, okay, man, I'm, I'll just follow you because I have no no idea what I'm doing up here, and that, that's what makes it easy. We have each other to play off of. If I was up there by myself, I would freeze, man. I'd be like, oh, man, that joke didn't work. <laughs> I've done that a lot. What do, I do, now? <laughs> what do I do now? I, I have what, to what tell you, man. You when, you when you freeze, what do you do? Well, I haven't frozen in a long time. Um, but in the past, what I would do is just acknowledge it. Yeah. Because as soon as you acknowledge it, it's over. And people laugh and you can look if you're on stage and everyone's looking at you. It's like if I spit when I'm on stage, mm. I always say just spit just because everyone saw me just spit. <laughs> so if I'm what am I not going to say it? Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> like if you farted in the room, you're like, don't say anything. Yeah. You're just going to like my grandfather used to do and be like, hey, dude, we <laughs> all knew you just farted, man. You're <laughs> not going to say anything. It's like yeah. a moment when Adele, she like. She was on the Grammy Awards of all places, and she like started the song, and she was like, "Wait, wait, 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 stop! Let's start this all over." I, you know, it's like she got off on the wrong foot and had to start it all over, and that just made everybody go, "Ah, yeah, that's great." But it goes back to the perfection being in the imperfection because she didn't sweat it, and everybody's wanted to start over before. Oh, yeah. everybody, I'm and sure she had the balls to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did. Had the balls to do it. And it was she's great. also Adele, you know. It was refreshing. Yeah, she's also Adele. But it, that's what you you know. Everyone has insecurities, no matter who how good you might be. And it's just really incredible when someone just owns it. What what what? I can tell you what my insecurities are on stage that I've worked really hard over the years to. And I'm not even sure it's an insecurity; it's a crutch. And so I've worked hard, probably, honestly, right around when you and I met is when I realized it. And I was like, okay, how, how can I not use that as a crutch? And so for me, I used movement, noise, uh, the 
how loud I was speaking yeah. as my crutch. So if I wasn't confident in a joke, I was moving or I was talking really loudly because I was going to scream you into laughing. <laughs> and the pitch of my voice yeah, was, it's, you know, when, when I listen back to it, I'm like, oh, that dude is tense. I can, I can, do you know what I mean? I can feel yeah. the tightness. Yeah. No, I know. So, I've worked for me. Those have always been my insecurities on stage, just, which is just like stand behind the mic or sit down or do, do a little more, but don't go back to your crutch. Um, and so I'm hyper aware of that. Is there anything you're hyper or were hyper aware of on stage? I think it's that kind of thing where, like you were saying, when you start feeling nervous or I always just go, I, I try to just breathe and t just take a step and just relax and just lock back into the music. So if I'm thinking too much about something or a mistake that happened or, you know, things that we'll, we'll work on after the show to get better for the next show. But in the moment you can't, you can't call it like, you know, you, if you, you the thing is you can't make people aware <laughs> that you made a mistake. You, like you're saying, it's like, just roll with it. Just keep rolling. Just keep yeah. going. And they most of the time don't notice it. And if they do, it's all right. You know, that makes you human. It actually, for me, that's been the best part is to get to a good place where I can relax and not worry about that mistake. And if I do make a mistake, I can just laugh at myself and it's, it's, it's fine. What a great, and, and Bradley says, as an aspiring performer, this conversation is perfect advice for a fellow like me. I would tell you this aspiring performers and Philip, please tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I wish I knew earlier that it was okay to fail. Not only was it okay to fail, but you have to fail. And failure and the word fail, those are the wrong words. The because wrong. It, has an, it has a negative connotation to it. When the reality is, is you're learning. You're learning how to be an artist. And so you have to do whatever you call failing to learn how to be better. Sometimes what you call a failure gets the biggest laugh. It's like the thing that, oh my God, I, I can't believe this happened. Or you wouldn't believe what, you know, the story people say after the show, they're like, you wouldn't believe it. He, they totally forgot the words. And like, it, we stopped the song and we just make fun of it. And like, oh, it happens, you know? And that I think is the truest gift as an entertainer to understand when you, they're, I think there was a lot of fear in the early days of like, oh God, I can't make a mistake. They're not going to like me. They're not going to like me. And actually they're all, they're there for you. They're, they're all in, you know, from the get go. And I learned this also by being uh, someone who watches other people perform. Um, you, you kind of see it in them and I got to emulate that, you know, and some people are just really perfect and don't make any mistakes. Like Keith Urban, he's just like, wow, he's just incredible. Like he can never, he, everything he does is perfect. You know? Even the way he flat irons his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I have no idea. But it's perfect. Yeah, it is. It's perfect. I'm telling he you, whatever. Just, he, he would say to us, you know, he would watch his show every night uh, back and take notes. And, you know, he's really a perfectionist in the, in the execution of the rhythm of the moments he and is really important yeah he's really good at that he's good at keeping you flowing through a show and, and that's a real art to it as well to 
understand when this song ends, it has a moment of decay and then you need to, if it's an emotional thing, give it a second. And then when you bring back the next moment, you know, where you're going to go next and all that's so important in the flow of a set list or when you're writing your jokes and the rhythm of your jokes. Uh, and that's what I've learned watching from you too, is that you have this, you have a great rhythm. And even if you say you want to try some new stuff, you know where those places are going to be. I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I, it's interesting you say that. You know, one of the things I miss about albums from when we were growing up is that they, it was intentional where they placed those songs. Yes. They were telling you a story with how they wanted you to listen to the album in order. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if that's as important anymore now, but, but it's, but I, as somebody who likes stories, when I would listen to an album from beginning to end and feel like that was the reason they took me on that journey and this was the story they wanted to tell, or this is how they wanted me to feel. And yeah. there were peaks and valleys to the, it wasn't like all the songs out at 10 right now. And then the rest of the songs at five, right. they take you on a ride, you know? Right. And so when you set up, I had never thought of that. When you have to perform live as a band, you have to be cognizant of where those songs are going, huh? Yeah, if you do too many sad songs in a row, then you're gonna the crowds you're gonna lose them. They're gonna give you, oh, okay, another one, another sad song. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you got to give them a, a a break. You got to give them levity. You know, gravity, levity. You know, energy. All these different things take you on a journey. And I listen to records. I think it's really important to us as a band. We make our records. We 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 pour over the the you know the set the list of the track list. We'll we'll redo it. I don't know how many times just to get it feeling right. And then we'll listen back to it and make sure we understand how it makes us feel throughout the track list. Um, that's really important to us. And it's, I think it's something that more artists are trying to do again, because, you know, we got in this weird thing where it was all singles all the time. And it was yeah. just like this single, I don't even know what album it belongs on. It's just great new song and a great new track. And that's cool too, because we'll just put. Sometimes we'll just put out a single track, and it just stands alone. Uh, but if it's but an, you know what, you know what to me the and Indiana Jones just came upstairs. Um, you know what to me the bummer about the singles are, is that you know most of my favorite Eagle songs are B sides. Yeah. Right. So so, but now you just have people writing for the hit. It feels like, but there's so many great B side songs that might slip through when people tell me i hate the eagles i'm like you have not listened to the songs that haven't been played a million times because <laughs> those b-side songs for the eagles are killers i know some of the better they're better than i agree i agree you know tattoo you the the stones album yeah. you know the the side with start me up and all that's the side that has the hits that's not my favorite that side doesn't have slave on it oh my god i was like what do you know like Bible sons kind of vibe yeah 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 i i do miss that man um because yeah those like it's the beatles too like i'm a huge beatles fan the only beatles songs that i don't like are the i couldn't go with the george harrison indian 
I just couldn't get into <laughs> not one of those. Every I'm like, what the fuck is this? But but I something do, in the way she moves might be one of the best songs ever written. You know, uh, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable how talented whatever talent was in that group. But but the Beatles songs with that when when you put on their album, you're like, every song on here is good. Yeah. Every song is good, even the B-sides. And I think we miss a little bit of that, you know? Yeah, but, that, you know, if you watch any of their documentaries and stuff, they poured over that. They made sure. I mean, and if it didn't live up to the other songs, go home and write a new one tonight and see what you can beat it, you know? Yeah. It, it was all about that push to just be great and not let not just mail it in and just put a track on there, just be like, oh, oh well, leave it on there. Right. We can't do that. I just... Can't do that. No, but I think you're probably, uh, you guys are probably one of the few people that don't, you know, that you're perfectionist, but you can hear it in your music, you know? Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. A, I take that as a very high compliment. Yeah, yeah. man. It, it, it should be for sure. Um, our listen, dude, I could literally talk to you forever, but we're going to, you have a question, Linda? Uh, we're going to see each other very soon here, but Linda has a question. Linda, hit me. Hey, so what is one of your, do you have a standalone moment in your career that, that stands out as like your all time high? Ooh, interesting question. I missed the first part of her question. It was breaking up. Did you hear it, Josh? Yeah, she said, and Linda, I'll help you with it. I'll help Thanks. You with it. Um, she said, did you have, and I'll bring you back on Linda so we can talk. Uh, do you have like a moment in your career, an all time moment that like sticks out? You know, there was kind of this moment. And I, I'm not big on like putting a lot of value in winning awards as, as you know a marker for your how successful you are, one way or the other. But when we won the CMA award for a vocal group for the first time, it was it just it changed everything. How it many was, years in were you as a band? God, man, I I can't even tell you. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. We had been doing it a while, you know, and we'd been nominated year after year and just got feel like we just got overlooked every time. And then Lady Annabellum came along and we'd already had records out before they were even a band. And they come along and they win the award. And that's great. We celebrate them. We're friends with them. But when they finally gave us that award, it was just like a moment of like, OK, now it's your time. Uh, that seemed to fuel us in a way. It just it was so emotional and just felt like it had taken so long to get to that point that it was like, oh, OK, so. All right. This is going to be something really special now, we, just because it just gave us that confidence we needed to go forward. And we we had done something new, made a new record and with a new producer. And it was all a bunch of risks, 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 risks. And so to have that moment happen, it was a very emotional. And it just, I remember that was, you know, and, and all the artists, even Charles and Lady A, they came back and were like, you know, everyone back in the dressing room was, it was just like a party. They were freaking out. It was a, such a celebratory moment. And I'll always remember that. And it was just like, I looked at, Becky was sitting beside me and my wife and that, when they called our name, I looked at her like, did they just say our name? That's so cool, man. You know, and we kissed and I, she was like, get up there, go. <laughs> I was like, what is it, man? I was like, what? That is so cool, man. I, I don't think I've ever heard that story before. You know, I, 
I um I go back and forth as far as I'm with you on awards, but I'm but at the same time, like I you're lying you're as an artist, you're lying if you're saying recognition of some sort from your peers and the isn't important. It just feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And- you know, it's like, oh, so you you you're are, you are aware of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, it's weird for me. You know, I make the art, right? And so, I never get upset with people when they're like, "Hey, I don't think you're funny." I'm like, "Yeah, that's," or "I don't like what you do," or anything like that. That doesn't bother me at all because art is subjective, and I am fully aware there are people that I know are great singers, great musicians, great comics. I just don't like it. And I, right. and I don't, do you know what I mean? Like that, that's I'm not the a, same way. Yeah. I, I can acknowledge you're really good at your job. Do you know what I mean? It's just not my thing. You know, yeah. I'm going to, this is going to really anger a lot of people and I'm going to set the beehive on fire, but <laughs> that, that Beyonce is not my style of music, but I fully acknowledge she might be one of the best performers ever in the history of what we do stunning performer do you, do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so like i i acknowledge when she walks on that stage i i don't know who's going to do it better than she does right, right. perform and so yeah. i get it not my thing so i never get mad but i will tell you yeah, it's different think- it's different when it comes from your peers for me yeah it, it just it's st- even though it shouldn't it can sting a little. And I don't know why that is, but for me, and I don't know if it is for you, but for me, like it stings a little from peers, even though it probably shouldn't. I don't know what, you know, that's, I kind of can relate to that because it's, you do want your peers to think you're cool, you know? Yeah. It's, it's that one little bit you're still hanging on to. I don't know why I do, but. We're needy. We're needy creatures. Mate, well, yeah, listen, I didn't step on stage the first time because I feel felt good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, uh, I stepped on stage when I was young. So I started, you know, my mom, when I was talking about the country music variety show, I was I was performing. You know, what kind of show? Where, where was she doing the show? It's It was in the Ozarks of Arkansas, in northeast Arkansas. It was like a little just a little country music theater there in the local town and people love to come out and, you know, do you remember any of the songs from it? Can you play one? Oh, uh, man. Shit. Don't let our love start slipping. Our love starts slipping away. That's a big skill song. Yeah. I, I love it. Did all kinds of, I would do, I would do all kinds of the new country stuff from the nineties, nineties country. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom had all the welcome to my world, you know, like classic Eddie Arnold. And yeah, learned how to play all that stuff. And then um, I just I got exposed to so much classic country and like Blue Bayou, which was a a Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Great voice. So I got I got a schooling of some some kind. It was great. Yeah, man. You know, but you can tell that by just by how wide your music taste goes. I mean, 
this is an interesting Isaac Kendrick said Michael Jackson best to do it. I guess. I mean, as a performer, yeah. I don't Michael Jackson. I don't know if there's a performer that stands up next to his, he just, his poise and his moves and his, Oh, it's incredible to watch. Do you know who I might? And I've seen this. I saw this dude twice. I saw Prince twice. Could not stop the way he played that guitar. Philip, he wore the guitar like it was an extension of his body. Yeah. It never felt separate from him in any way, shape, or form. It no. felt like another arm almost. Do you know what I mean? It was oh, so, yeah. he was so effortless. And look, I watch you play. I'm like, this dude, there's nobody in the world better than this guy. This guy is effortless. Then you watch somebody like mm -hmm. Prince, and it's like, it's even for even for somebody like you who's an, a plus guitar player. When you watch people like Prince, are you like, what? Look at this guy. Hey, Indian. Um, I think, yeah, there's, there's those people like Prince, Jimi Hendrix, you know, that it, it, it's like fluid almost, almost like the guitar isn't, isn't made of wood anymore. It's like turned into some quantumized energy form. Yeah. They're just like, it's just part of like, they, and even their movements, their body movements like Prince, with just it was beautiful to watch. Keith Urban's a lot like that. He's he's that good. Yeah, yeah. he's got the same body type as Prince too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, I've mentioned him too many times in one show. <laughs> Listen, man, I know I poke fun at everybody. I'm a huge fan of his. I, I think I am. I mean I think I mean I think he's if possible outside of the country music world, not enough people know how good a guitar player he is. He's like a guitar player's guitar player. I mean, he he's very skilled and and he knows exactly what he wants to do with it. It speaks, you know. Yeah. But, but Prince was one of those rare. Did you see him play? I never got to see him play. I wanted to, but I, you know, I was I was I grew up in Arkansas, and it's just I don't think Prince came played many shows in Arkansas. Probably not. He wasn't probably flying through Arkansas. Probably yeah. not. Yeah, I don't think he's getting through the. <laughs> Yeah, I will tell you, man, you know, we saw him at his club. He had a club at the Rio in Vegas, and Beth and I saw him. Yeah. And um, we drove out there because he was doing a residency there for the summer. Very and it cool. was only like 400 people. He's just licking my hand. It sounds gross. It was only like 400 people, but we walked in. The bartender goes, so what is he going to play? And he was like, he's played a completely different set every night. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, he said last night he took requests from the crowd. He oh. knew how to play every song. And if one of the people in his band didn't know how to play it, he went, took their interest instrument and played it on their instrument. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? I said, well, what haven't you heard? And he said, um, he has yet to play anything from Purple Rain. And when we played, he played the entire album except for Darling Nikki because he wasn't playing that anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. But he played the entire Purple Rain album top to bottom. And I was like, Beth, I could not have asked. I just always wanted to hear him play Purple Rain live. Yeah. And the second time I saw him, I saw him. Do you remember a couple of years back he came out with that all female band? And yeah, him? dude. And those like third eye sunglasses. Yes. So he, we went to Vegas and saw them and, you know, he, 
obviously he, he built it as a Prince uh, concert, but he was really trying to promote them. So he had them out on stage a bunch, but then he went in in the middle of the show and he played a medley of his songs. And the chorus to the medley was, I got too many hits. Uh. I got too many hits. I got too many hits. Uh. I got too many hits. And I was like, yeah, he does. He's got too many hits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this dude's got too many hits <laughs> it was pretty amazing to watch but i love look man no matter what you do if you're an expert at it i want to watch you i agree with that i want to watch you i want to know how you got there i want to know what your focus is like while you're doing it i i want to know what separates you from the person who's also very good? You know, for me, for me, I, I like to tie it with my spiritual energy when I'm up there because then I can really kind of, I don't know if transduce the energies together is the right word, but it's kind of like it fits. Yeah. I'm, it's like you're pulling from all these different places, but you have to focus your energy and be in the moment and perform and also, you know, soak it in. You have to have, yeah. a, you have to be able to take that and remember like the memory of that, you know? And so, but the energy is so heightened when you're up there on stage and there's so much beautiful energy coming your way, like they're sending it to you and you can feel that. And I think it just, everything gets heightened. And if you can really just take, take all that and enjoy it and then let your, let it shine through you you know, in a way, uh, it feels good. And yeah. then I, for me, when I get to that place, I, I don't even worry about the rest. I trust the, I trust the universe at that point, knowing that if I'm doing the right thing for my energy up here, you're going to feel it for me. So interesting to hear you mention the energy uh, from the crowd. This is going to sound weird, but stand up has made me a more spiritual person. I don't know how much I believed in energy before I started standing in front of crowds and feeling energy like undeniable to me that that energy of happiness or that energy of laughter that you yeah. feel that fills you up. And yeah. so if that energy is possible, which I know it to be, it really opened my eyes up to the different, you know, different energies that are possible and that are out there. And so like, it's weird that stand up opened me up to so many of those things that I had no idea that it was gonna, you know? Well, I mean, just think about it. There's how, however many people are in the crowd. I mean, you, you get energy from just one person, a one-on-one -on -one meeting, you feel something with them. And when you're the one where the lights are on you and you're folk, they're all focusing their energy on you on stage, you're the singular focus. And there's all these people I mean, it's just like, there's a lot, that's a lot of energy. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when you get done with the show, there's always that, sh you know, after show high that you can't come down. Yeah. It feels good, dude. It just fills you up. Yeah. It's real, man. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, Dave, and then we're going to, we're going to get out of here. I know I got to eat. I'm sure you got to eat too, but this is something I wanted to bring up. Dave says, John Popper destroying a harmonica gets my boys jingling, jiggling. Let me tell you something. <laughs> him on harmonica is quite a sight 
The Blues Traveler, have you ever seen them? I've never seen him live, but I've seen him on you know TV stuff. He, he, he's got that some that holster, all those holsters filled with harmonicas. All the different keys. Of the yeah, harmonica. dude. And that dude just rips. And by the way, LBT crowds always have the best energy, says Dawn. Yes, um, they do, Dawn. Hi. She's a right, listen, listen, man. Um, Katrina, do you have a question before I get going? I see you. You have one? No? Okay, okay. No worries. Linda, you have one more, and then we got to go, everybody. Yes. Um, do you guys remember watching Heart cover uh, Stairway to Heaven at the Kennedy's Honor Center? Yes. Okay. That brought the house down. Well, her voice yeah. is second in my mind. There isn't a – I'm not saying she's the best. I don't like to quantify it like that, but you're not going to find a voice better than that one. It's 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 a unique sound. I would say it kind of has a little, little Linda Ronstadt vibe to it, but it's, she's just got an edge to it. And when she sings it, you believe it. That's the that's that kind of you know intangible that when you were talking earlier about just you know you can have an exactly perfect guitar player, but if he's not putting his special unique soul into it, you're not going to feel it the same way. Right. So that's kind of her voice is like that. It's just it's special, it's unique, and it also feels yeah, it feels and if when I even coming across my speakers, her voice fills the room. Like there's no escaping it. And there are some notes, especially with songs, classic songs, alone. Yo, she hits some notes in that where I'm like, Yeah. Every time I, know, I hear yeah. it, I'm surprised. I'm like, is she hit it again? You know, like. Right. There's always that phrase they say, man, she, they were singing from the bottom of her toenails. You know, it's like you just feel a full body like resonance. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. That, that's cool. Um. All right, buddy. Well, I'm going to go make some dinner. All right. Same here. Thank you, Josh. That's really fun. I, Listen, I'm so man. Late. I was playing in the snow and lost track of time. I think you know that that's I don't sweat that shit at all. I just love the text. It's like, I'm ready when you are. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I just want to let you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but um, I love you, buddy. I'm so happy to be in Nashville and be closer to you. And Me too. I'm glad you're here, man. It's And the weather really isn't this bad normally. By the way, Philip, do you want, <laughs> do you want to hear the new song? My new song? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Of course I do. Okay. So I there's a song, you know, I thought I think it's funny that, you know, like rap star rappers and, and rock stars, whenever they sing about having sex, they're <laughs> they're the best at it. They they all oh, get yeah. like 12 inch dicks and they you know what I mean? And so <laughs> so I thought it would be funny to write a song um <laughs> about and the lyrics are this is this is what if if a rock star or rapper was being honest about having sex, this is what the song would be. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Thanks for coming by. You're looking mighty fine, I'll say. You're wearing yoga pants. Let's do some downward facing doggy. <laughs> Rough. 
Come right in and lay your clothes on the floor. By the end of the night, girl, I'll have you begging for more. Are you ready for some uh? Are you ready for some uh? Are you ready for some uh, 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 I'm not like other guys. I won't waste your whole night. <laughs> I know you're busy, girl. Your schedule's not the only thing that's tight. <laughs> I'm gonna lay you down. Put put on a romantic song. You won't have to listen to Freebird. That's 10 minutes too long. <laughs> Are you ready for some uh? Are you ready for some uh? Uh? Are you ready for some uh? Are you ready for some oops? Sorry about that. Let me get you a towel. Are you ready for the best two minutes of your life? Are you ready for the best two minutes of your life? There you go. Yeah, baby. What do you think about that one? That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was, yeah. I was playing along singing with you. Well, we're gonna we should play it at Nashville. It's just simple. I don't know if you know this, but I only know three chords. <laughs> Three chords and the truth, Josh. That's all you need. Well, that song was the truth, all right. Um, <laughs> listen, man. That's great. You're the best. Thanks for just being you, man. I, I really enjoy talking to you. you just too, legitimately. Man. Enjoy you're your the, company, man. So You too, man. I love you, brother. Thank you. Love you, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. All right. Later. Guys, come on. Um, what a great time with Philip. That's not terrible. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. You know, Philip is one of my good friends, and like it's just always good to have a conversation. Katrina, you didn't have a question, but I wanted to bring you on just say hello to you as usual. Of course. Thank you for today. It was awesome. Love yeah, you. I hope you and was that fun listening to Philip talk? Oh my God. I, I loved it. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah. I've, I, I, he's such a genuinely nice man and um, he, he and is. I are, are very similar in a lot of ways, but yeah, I, I appreciate you listening and sticking around for the whole show. Thank you. Of course. All right. See you later guys. Uh, Jen, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. This was such a good time. Cat, I'm glad you're home from uh, work, and uh, I'm glad you're not in Texas. It's not <clears throat> right now, but uh, hey, 
Hey, Texas strong, baby. They're pulling through together, man. Keep the faith. Um, yeah. Always good to see you. We'll talk to you this weekend on the Zoom. For sure. All right. Um, Dave, as usual, good to see you, dude. You too, man. It is me. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see now. Yeah. There you are. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, boy, but I was super high the other night on the high live. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you were. Holy but I mean, that's usual. Shit. Um, all right. Good to see you. We'll see you Monday night. You too. Of course, man. All right, all right buddy. Linda, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right. You was, hit the wall the other night with Annie. Well, I, I was <laughs> having a hard time talking. I saw you just like, uh, <laughs> right when the mushrooms hit, that was it for me. Uh, all right, Linda, thank you for coming and joining us. Have a good night. You too. And Dylan, last but not least, man. Hey, man. Uh, was it fun for you to uh, to be able to uh, talk to a musician and, and listen to his experiences and stuff? Absolutely. How many country music superstars do you know? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, just countless? But well, I don't know who's considered a superstar, you know? But we're going to have some oh, fun people on. on. Uh, we're, I'm definitely going to have Jimmy on who's Jimmy's the other guy in that band. And, um, there are a bunch of people here. They're all awesome. good folks and we'll have them on. And so I'm looking forward to you guys enjoying them also. All right, man. Hey, man. Um, and for those of you guys listening, that was Philip sweet from little big town. Go enjoy their music guys. Um, it's so good. You can find it on iTunes anywhere, every other music platform there is. Um, and, uh, as usual, you can check out, guys, if you haven't gotten a ticket to my uh, special, ComedianJoshWolf.com, March 4th. It's called Father Time. Go check it out. Other than that, everybody, tell everybody you know to uh, listen to the Tell Me Something Good pod. I'm having so much fun with you guys. Um, thanks for joining us, and um, we'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>